Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of John, chapter 15. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is a gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you uh, want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my Disciples, You may be seated. If you'll keep your Bibles open, we're actually going to go through these eight verses slowly. Uh, and I want to look at different pieces and point them out because this is what I believe. I believe that this is a message for this time. Mm-hmm. I believe that this is a word for this time. I believe that... As we look at the uncertainty in the world, because let me tell you, despite January 6th happening, there's tons of uncertainty in the world. There's fear. There's doubt. There's discouragement. There's worry across the nation, across social boundaries, and across racial boundaries, and across political boundaries. There's worry, and there's fear. And the truth of the matter is, I truly believe that God is orchestrating things that Jesus could come at any moment. He's putting things in place. And we as Christians must be ready to serve him in this season. We must be ready to reach people for Christ in this season right now. And I believe that the answer to many of the fears and the questions that we have and uh, many of the, uh, the, the answer to serving God during this time that we find ourselves can be found here in John chapter 15. Let's look right at the beginning here at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. In the book of Isaiah, God refers to Israel as a vineyard. But he refers to Israel as a vineyard uh, that doesn't produce fruit. A dry vineyard, a dead vineyard, an imposter vineyard. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ is the true vine, and he produces fruit. And anyone that is grafted onto that vine will produce fruit. He's the true vine. But here's the problem, is Christians sometimes begin to graft themselves to the non-true vine. Uh, we want to stay grafted to Christ, but we also like to dabble in other places. We put our hope and our peace and our 
our joy and our comfort and our faith into man. Men are not the true vine. God, Jesus Christ alone is the true vine. We attach ourselves to jobs, but that's not the true vine. We attach ourselves to negative relationships and to people and trust them to fulfill us, but they're not the true vine. For there's only one true vine, and that vine is Jesus Christ. And in Him and Him alone can we produce quality fruit. See, not every grape can be used for wine. If you take the grapes that you buy at the grocery store, them green grapes or the seedless grapes or whatever your favorite grape happens to be, the, the oh, are they red grapes? They're black grapes. I don't know. They always look black to me. Um, but you have these different grapes that you buy in the, the grocery store, but here's the fact. You try to make wine out of those, it's going to taste nasty. It's not going to taste right. There are grapes that are bred for a specific purpose. To be made into wine. Not just to be edible, but to be made into high quality, expensive wines. Jesus' fruit that he produces is high quality. It's the best of the best. And if you want to produce the fruit That'll change this world. If you want to produce high quality fruit, you can't just produce any old grape. You've got to produce the fruit that comes from the master vine. You've got to produce the fruit that comes from Jesus Christ alone, the true vine. And so the first thing that you and I must look at today is what is our source? Who is the vine that we're attached to? Because it is quite possible, as Christians, to not allow our source to be Christ. But we attach ourselves to other sources. And when we attach ourselves to other sources, guess what? We may produce fruit, but it will not be pure fruit. It'll be corrupted fruit. For in the flesh, you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot produce godly fruit and the flesh. It may look good, but it'll leave a sour taste in your mouth. So we have to look at our source. And this time, right now, more than ever, who is your source? Does your source lie in the White House? Does your source lie with our lawmakers? I hope not. I hope it didn't rely on Trump, and I hope it doesn't rely on Biden, because they're going to let you down, folks. Only God can give peace that passes all understanding and comfort and joy in the spite of failure and circumstances and hurt and pain and sickness. Only God can do that. So if our source is in a political system, we're in trouble. Right. If our source is in any man, we're in trouble. If your source is in any man who even preaches the word of God or seems to have it all together as they preach the word of God, your source is the wrong place. Your source is wrong because our source is to be Jesus. I'm not your source. Right. If you're relying on me to be your source, well, you're going to dry up real quick. <laughs> Jesus is your source. If you're relying on a TV minister or a YouTube video of someone singing, if you're relying on those guys, no matter how great a speaker they are, no matter how anointed they are, if they're your source, that source is going to dry up quickly. Right. Amen. Because guess what? Men fail. Men grow weary. Men grow weak. 
Men grow tired. Men get depressed. Men get fatigued. But guess what? The God, Jesus Christ, who is the true vine, never gets tired. He never grows fatigued. He never runs dry. His grace is sufficient. Yes. His mercies are new every morning. That's what the Bible teaches us. He says that one day there might be weeping, but be happy and take great hope. Because joy comes in the morning, and that only comes from the one who never slumbers, the one who never sleeps. The one who's constantly sitting upon the throne. And that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. The one true vine. Right, man. Lots of imposters, but only one true vine. And I love this part in verse 2. Every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes. Now, I did some study on this. Because in the translation it says removes, but did you know that Greek word can actually mean lift up? Or move. Not remove like cut off. Because he's going to talk about cutting off later on in chapter 15. He's going to talk about if you don't bear fruit, he's going to cut you off, throw you in a pile of sticks, let you wither up and die and burn you. But here, looking at the Greek word, and I, I, I love this. That sometimes in a vineyard what happens is a branch becomes long and it doesn't keep itself lifted up, and it falls on the ground. Well, anyone that knows is that if it's on the ground, it's not going to produce fruit, and the fruit that it produces will be attacked by bugs, mm -hmm. the ground, the moisture in the ground, the elements in the ground. It will destroy that fruit. Mm -hmm. Now, I never thought about it this way, but it hit me, and as I was studying, and then Dr. Evans, Tony Evans, he just paints it so beautifully, is that if God sees that you're not bearing fruit, his desire is for you and I as his children to bear fruit. We're on the vine. Right. You're his child. His desire is for us to bear fruit. And if we're not bearing fruit, meaning if we're hanging on the ground, he'll move us if he has to. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, he'll pick us up and move us and put us where we need to be so that we can bear fruit. Because here's the thing. We're to bear fruit. We go from no fruit to some fruit to much fruit. And these passages, no fruit to some fruit to much fruit. And chapter 15. So if we're not bearing fruit, God will relocate you so that you can bear fruit. And we both know God's relocation process isn't what we like for it to be. Sometimes it's not. Uh, we, we don't always get the notification that the garden is coming through to lift up that vine and move it somewhere where it's going to produce fruit. Sometimes God comes in and he moves it and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But his desire is to lift us from the place that we were at where we could not bear fruit. Oh, we were lazy and we hung down there and we laid upon the ground and we didn't have to hold ourselves up. We just <laughs> laid there. Right? Wallowing in self-pity or contentment or complacency, being comfortable, happy without bearing fruit. And God says, look, you're my child and you have one goal. That is to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Many types of fruit, but you're to bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, he will relocate us to make sure that we bear fruit. He will move us. He will lift us up. And the great thing about God is when he lifts you up, he holds you up. He'll give you what you need to sustain you, to keep you, help you keep carrying on. If you won't fight against him, 
You know, when, when a lifeguard goes to rescue someone who was drowning, the first thing they have to do is calm that person down so that they'll go motionless. Because as long as that person is fighting, the lifeguard will have difficulty saving them. If you go, the first thing they want you to do, calm down, lay on your back, and they will get underneath you with their arms and pull you to shore. They're trying to rescue you, but if you're fighting against them, they can't rescue you. You may still drown, and not only drown them, but drown the lifeguard, right? I mean, the, if you're fighting every step of the way, if we fight God every time he tries to relocate us, that we're never going to produce the fruit that he desires for you and I to produce. He's relocating us for our benefit, not his. Right. He's relocating us so we can have the joy of what it's like to produce fruit. So we can have the experience what it's like to reach the lost. To see someone come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So we can experience what it's like to feed the hungry. To clothe the naked. To pray for the sick and see them recover. So we can experience what it's like to bear real fruit. And because he loves us so much, he wants us to experience that. And he wants us to be usable by him. He will make things uncomfortable for us. And we have to stop fighting. But let God do what God does. That means that when God begins to test us, and when God begins to relocate us or shift us from our current position, we cannot become angry and resentful. We cannot yell at him and fuss at him. We can't get mad at our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't get frustrated, right? Uh, we got to let God move us so that we can bear some fruit. We go from bearing no fruit God makes sure he moves us so that we can bear some fruit. And then guess what? He prunes, prunes us so that we will produce more fruit. He prunes us. And pruning stinks. I'm embarrassed to tell this story, but it's a funny story, so I'm going to tell you anyways. Although... I have learned recently that what I think is funny, most people don't think is funny. My children have pointed that out to me quite a bit, my wife here lately, but I think it's a funny story. And it has to do with pruning. Uh, I went and got a pedicure for the first time. My mom thought it would be funny to trap me by getting me a Christmas present that was to get a pedicure. Because my brother Charlie got a pedicure. Well, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody touched my feet but me since I was able to cut my own toenails, right? But the problem is, is that if you don't know how to properly take care, you get ingrown toenails, and they hurt. Mm -hmm. They hurt. They make it hard to walk, right? You go get a pedicure. What is that lady doing? What I learned the hard way is she's getting in there and digging in and digging out them ingrown toenails, and it hurts. Like crazy. I'm sure none of you, you have perfect feet. You've never experienced this. You don't know what it's like to have an ingrown toenail. But this brother, uh, had it, it, it did not feel good for her to dig in there. And in order for me to not be in pain any longer, and in order for my toenails to grow in a way that they needed to grow straight and without becoming ingrown, they had to get in there and trim. Now, my toes hurt before. But they hurt for just a moment when they fixed them, and now they don't hurt at all. When God prunes us so that we can bear more fruit, 
He does it in such a way that it is painful sometimes, but it is a quick pain, and then we can bear more fruit. It'll be a quick pain if we won't fight against him, of course. Mm -hmm. If I'd have been kicking that poor lady and kicking my feet, it would have made it a whole lot worse. And sometimes, listen to me, we kick against God enough that he stops trying. That's in the book of Romans. Mm -hmm. We kick against God to the point that he says, all right, I'm going to give you up. And he actually judges us instead of simply trying to prune us. Mm -hmm. He allows his judgment to take place. But as long as we are still before him, be still. The times in your life that we need to be the stillest is when God's pruning us. The times that we need to lay before him the most and listen to his voice the most is when he's pruning us. Because the pruning can be painful, but the pruning will lead you from bearing some fruit to bearing much fruit. There is no accident why Jesus said this the way that he did. No fruit to some fruit to much fruit. Because his desire from you is to take a no fruit somebody to a much fruit somebody. So he'll take you through the process. And what's evident here is God's hand. The gardener. Jesus is the vine. The father is the gardener. What's evidence here? The gardener is involved in the process of you going from no fruit to much fruit. You don't do that on your own. I don't do that on my own. I don't lift myself up off the ground. I don't uh, prune myself. God does that. The gardener takes care of that. Kelly was trying desperately this year to grow tomatoes. And actually, for her first time, she did a pretty good job. She had the nice big, the, was trying to grow the beefsteak tomatoes. And she was trying to grow the cherry tomatoes. Is that right? Well, the cherry tomatoes were bangers, right? They were amazing. They were good. They were gangbusters. They were delicious. But the beefsteak tomatoes, they had some problems. They would get heavy and they would hang or we'd get too many and some would rot. There would be too much rain. And so uh, part of being taking care of these plants was when it was raining too much, you bring them inside, right, so they didn't get too much rain. Or if they got too heavy or too many pieces of fruit, you had to trim off the bad ones mm -hmm. to make sure the ones that were there would get all the nutrients as they had. And by the end of the season, Kelly had pretty much figured out what she needed to do. But there was a time there of it bearing fruit, but it was kind of stinky fruit. It was like half usable. Maybe two-thirds of a, of a nice beefsteak tomato would be usable. The rest of it uh, had some issues. And it takes the gardener taking care of that plant to make sure it produces the best fruit possible. And if you've ever had a fresh-grown beefsteak tomato that has not got blemishes on it and that's a beautiful tomato, man, my goodness gracious, you take some mayonnaise and some salt and pepper and some tomato and put that between two slices of bread and I'm in heaven. Absolutely delicious. Callie will take beefsteak tomatoes and she'll pour A1 sauce on top of them. I thought that was the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life until she got me to try it. You take that beautiful fruit, but it doesn't just happen on its own. There's a gardener. The tomato does not garden itself. Mm -hmm. Left to its own devices, the tomato will rot, die, and do nothing but feed the bugs. Mm -hmm. It requires a gardener. Does that make sense this morning? Do you hear what I'm saying? In this day and age, at the time that we've called, and God has laid this upon my heart over and over again, for such a time as this, right. 
If the church is going to be who the church needs to be, we're going to have to take heart and realize that we have to bear fruit and we can't bear fruit without God. That means we can't go all week long without talking to him. And that brings us down to verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you could do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. Believers, listen to me. You can do nothing without Christ. Amen. So if you're ignoring him all week long, you're not going to produce fruit. If you and I are ignoring Christ and not spending time with him, if we're not praying, if we're not meditating upon God's word, filling ourselves, saturating ourselves with God's word, then we're useless during this season. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. Forget the president. Forget all of that mess. There's coming a time within the next four to six years. I'm telling you right now that we're going to be banned. Mm -hmm. You think right now only President Trump was banned from social media. And some of his close, what do you want to call them, followers or whatever you want to call them have been banned. Listen, whenever speech is deemed evil mm -hmm. and free speech is not allowed, it will make its way to the church. Mm -hmm. yep. When a majority of people or the people, excuse me, who are in control decide what you and I are allowed to say and what's acceptable, it will make its way to the church. Because what do we know about society? They are all for evil things. Look at the content that Google produces. Look at the content that Apple produces. Look at the content that Facebook and its companies produce. Right? Fruit that's going to cause pain and hurt and suffering ultimately. They're producing pornography. There was literally an article this week that said evangelicals are ruining the pornography industry for one particular pornography site because they had the audacity to petition to have rape and uh, pornography removed from the site. A whole article written about how it was hurting the, the, these poor souls who were trying to make their lives in pornography. Words, what is wrong with our world? We're killing babies by the millions. We're sanctioning pornography. We're talking about me too, but then in the same moment we're saying it's okay to show a simulated video of a woman raped. What is wrong with our world? It's producing gross, nasty fruit. And you and I are not supposed to produce that kind of fruit. We're supposed to produce fruit that results in holiness. Yes. Righteousness. Amen. The message of the gospel. Being a light in a dark world. That's the kind of fruit. In fact, when I was reading this, Dr. Evans said that there are three types of fruit that really stuck out to me. The first characteristic of fruit is that fruit will produce what its tree is. Mm. Wow. So an apple tree will only ever produce apples, and a lemon tree produces lemons, and plum tree produces plums. You will produce what you are plugged into. Wow. The characteristics of what you are attached to, what tree you belong to, will be evident to God and to those around you. So if I'm producing fruit that doesn't look like God, my source is not God. Mm -hmm. 
So folks, if you see a minister fall and he produces negative fruit, he was on the wrong tree. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing is, is that you will be the fruit and produce the fruit of the parent of that tree that you are from. The second is, is that your fruit will always be visible. We had a plum tree in our front yard. Plum, right? And that tree was told to me that it was a plum tree. But it didn't produce plums for a long time. And I was like, this is a plum tree? But it never produced any visible truth. Now finally, towards the last couple years, it did produce some plums. But in about the literally first 10 years that this tree was in existence, it produced no fruit. You wouldn't have known it was a plum tree or not. It looked like any other ornamental tree. Any other tree that you'd put in your front yard that's got colorful leaves and a nice bloom on it. But it never produced fruit. If your fruit cannot be seen, then your fruit is no good for consumption. If my fruit cannot be seen, it's not any good to eat. In fact, my fruit is what lets the world know who I belong to. Your fruit must be seen. So if people don't know you're a Christian, then your fruit is hidden. If people don't know that you serve the one true God, then our fruit is hidden. In this day and age, right now, in this time, people need to know your fruit. They need to see your fruit. They need to know you trust God beyond any man or anything else. They need to know that you're joyful in spite of circumstances. You have peace in spite of what's going on. They need to know that you have joy no matter what. They need to know that you serve a God who no matter what happens, you will serve him irregardless of what's going on in the world. They need to know that, and your fruit demonstrates that to a lost and a dying world. Our fruit must be seen. And then finally, our fruit must be beneficial. We had a Granny Smith tree. Now, a Granny Smith tree is useful. Don't get me wrong. It makes great apple pies. If you're making an apple pie, you want to use a Granny Smith apple. A high-end Granny Smith because they're delicious. But you know what they're not good for? Picking off the tree and eating off the tree. Now, my dad loved it. He loved to eat Granny Smith apples right off the tree. And he would thought it was funny to cut them up and feed them to my brothers when we were younger just to see our faces go. Right? That fruit to be plucked off the tree and ate was gross. Right? Our fruit should be delicious because it is the fruit that comes from God. Yes. It should minister to others. If you are only if you are taking your fruit and you're putting it on a counter and you're not sharing it with nobody, your fruit's going to waste. Uh, Kelly will go through free. Well, actually, I'm the one that goes through the phases of eating those cutie oranges. You know those little oranges? I love them. I'll sit down and eat four to six at a time. Love them things. They're so delicious. To me, they're like eating candy. And, but I'll go through phases where I'll eat a bunch of them, and she'll buy a bag, and then the next week I won't eat one. And then, uh, you know, and, and by not eating them for a while, guess what happens? They get gross, don't they? And she gets rid of them before they rot too bad, but they get soft and unedible. So what good was, that was a waste of money. She'll fuss at me. She'll say, what a waste. Why in the world did I buy this and you not eat it? She, we had the same discussion about bread earlier this week. 
She's like, some days you want to eat a sandwich every day and some days you don't want to eat sandwiches. How am I supposed to know to order two loaves of bread and not two loaves of bread? Because why? When you don't eat it, it gets moldy and it goes to waste. Your fruit is meant to be given to others outside of us. When we would uh, get the apples, we would have way too many apples. And we would fill bushels of them, my dad and my brothers and I. Bushels of these, of these some golden delicious and yellow apples and all these delicious apples. And instead of, we knew we couldn't eat them all. So guess what? We give the bushels to our neighbors. Because if we just sat with them, then they, they would just go to waste. But when you give them to your neighbors, they get to enjoy the benefits. Not just that, it showed them that we were kind and compassionate and loving and caring and cared about our neighbors. Our fruit should demonstrate God's love to a lost and a dying world. And if it's not, we need to step back and say, what is wrong? God, prune me or move me, relocate me, do something that my fruit will be produced and my fruit that I produce will be beneficial. That's the key. You don't produce fruit for yourself. You produce fruit for God and for others. That's why it says here in chapter 15, in verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. God is glorified when you and I produce the right kind of fruit. Because it reaches a lost and a dying world and it shows that Jesus is who he says he is. If you're talking about how much you love Jesus, but your life produces dead fruit, then you are a detriment to the kingdom. And if you are, are, are silently trying to produce fruit without giving it to the world, it's a detriment to the kingdom. It's to be shared. Our fruit is to be Beneficial to edify the body, but also to reach a lost and a dying world. Now, the fruit does have benefits for us, but we get selfish sometimes and think the fruit is only about us, and that's not the case. The fruit is about God and a lost and a dying world. And if you and I are going to make it in the times that are coming, in the years that are coming, and the months that are coming, we have to take to heart chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Because if we don't abide in Christ, we will not produce fruit. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.